Long story short, Kevin is obsessed with Kylie Minogue. Okay. To the point where we were actually talking about it on the way there. <laughs> it's so funny. Sure. And the next day, uh, he's like, dude, look at Kylie Minogue post videos of you too. I was like, is that tonight? Or is that, was that last night? He's like, it couldn't be tonight because it hadn't started tonight. Like, oh, that was last night. She was there. And I was like, where was she sitting? That's where we were. She was in our suite. Oh, no way. He didn't know. Oh, so he's probably oh, flipping out. He, I know, that's what I said. Right? I was like, dude. I know, I would have saw that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had no clue that he was fully into her like, like that. Oh, yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. That's awesome. That's actually another. Yeah, but he's still, he can't get over it. That's I mean, great. I, I went out to dinner with him last night. Hey, can like, you put a. I cannot believe still, it. He's still on it. Oh, yeah. It's like, she was right there. Like, touch her hair. I hit, uh, hit up Dave and said, thanks for putting me on the list, but we missed it. But So he said he's going to be back um, in January. I was like, well, maybe we can. I want to go that. again. It's the, it's the craziest. Yeah, it, it looks. There's a couple people uh, have, have been sending me stuff about it, um, and it just looks incredible. That was funny because, Mark, we, we were talking about, I was just talking about the spectacle of it with mm -hmm. Mark, Mother's Ball. You know, I mean, just, I was like, that was amazing. And, and he's like, I'm not really a U2 fan. Like, it was weird to hear Mark. I liked it. Kind of throw shade out there yeah, yeah. at all, ever. <laughs> but, and he's like, so, so am I. But he goes, he's not either. But I was just saying, you got to see the show. It's crazy. Sure, sure. Well, it's, 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 no, I don't know. I mean, in a way, no matter who's there, it's such a massive thing. You know, it could be. Julio Iglesias I hope whoever else plays there will take advantage of it. Yeah, man, you'd have to. Like, yeah. if you didn't. Pink Floyd a, would be cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, have you seen Roger Waters, like the latest versions of, of Roger Waters' the show? Wall. The Wall? Nah. Oh, like, I mean, this is maybe Some six. Some fan you are. Yeah. I've seen it twice. I didn't yeah. say so, yeah, Okay. <laughs> but maybe, whatever, so six. So you'd be good in there, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> like, six or eight years ago, I went and saw the yeah. the newer version, like, because it's the, it's the full LED yeah. Wall that everything's projected on, or whatever oh, so video mapping. For the it's incredible. Sphere. It's incredible. Yeah. Like it's just like yeah. So I don't know. Put that on your to-do list. <laughs> I took Riley. He was so hyped. Yeah. Yeah. To the wall. It's wild how that that music still stands up, man. Timeless. Oh yeah. Yeah, it might be one of the greatest albums ever made. Yeah. All right. Well, this How is great. I'll good? see you guys. All right, that <laughs> was <good>. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for a delicious and nutritious snack that packs real protein punch? Don't, don't punch me. I would never Because I'm that. holding pistachios in my hand. Wait and a minute. they'll fall on the floor. You got to crack into a good source of protein <laughs> with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios. Ow. Each one ounce serving of wonderful pistachios contains six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value, mate. Pistachios are known for their protein power. Fiber, better for you, unsaturated fats for a combination that will help keep you feeling fuller longer. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family 
and friends or taking them with you on the go during your summer adventures. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. So you like music? Yeah, yeah, I'm into music. Cool. Yeah. We're all musicians well, here. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah I mean, he, he, as of late, the singer. Oh, I know. Tony all Hawk, right. the singer. You know what? He's everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to end this. Yeah, it's getting it in. It's getting it in. <laughs> Can you sing something for us right now? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Z Trips here. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming. We've uh, we've known each other for a while, mm-hmm. for a long time. We're yes. both um, we're both of the same age. Ish. Yeah. 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 And had some of the same groups of friends. But yeah. The same circles. I feel like we kept connected around the time that we started doing our charity events. Yeah, that was probably when I think we actually really hung out and actually yeah. had more time than just like in passing or something but but you you offered to perform at one of our early stand up for skate parks events yes yes and um i knew who you were but i had never seen you perform live i just heard your mixes and stuff and and it was it was fascinating to watch you go i mean it really was like have you seen him perform i don't understand it at all <laughs> yeah, that's great. He's, he does I love his that. old school mixing. We're gonna demystify it right yeah. now in okay. this in this setting. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> what um what do you know of it of DJing and and of that? Like, we'll start there. I think the closest I got was one time I was hanging out with Be Real and he was doing the scratchy thing, and I was like, "Wait, are you listening to that song in that ear?" And then making that one play against that, okay, I think I understand what you're you're doing. Yeah, that's it. That's All what right. I know. Yeah, that's well. That's the basics of it. You know, you got two. This is for anybody. A real quick brief of of DJing. You've got two sources of music, and you're playing one, and you're queuing up the next one, and you're mixing it into the one you're just playing, and then you're swapping that out for the next one, and so it's back and forth, back and forth. So it's always one turntable or uh, whatever you're using, controller, one source is always playing and you're always queuing up the other one into the next one. Where it gets tricky and where it gets fun is what you're queuing up and scratching things in and dropping in sounds and figuring out how to take two things that wouldn't normally mix together. Yeah, what if they're both not the same beat? Well, then you have- that happens, right? Yeah, yeah, you have, you have uh, pitch controllers on them oh, okay. to speed up or slow down. And so if something is- Faster than one and slower, you mix it down and speed it up, whatever to match yeah. the two. So there's a lot of it's not just playing a song and playing a song, although people do that. But the real masterful part of it is getting two things that wouldn't normally mix together and holding them, like finding the the the, the tempo or the key or the the phrasing, you know, yeah. and then layering something over top of something else. Like thing that I really um, I'm really well known for is the, the mashup, right? Of taking two things that wouldn't normally work. Yeah. Uh, 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 outcast acapella of Bombs Over Baghdad and mixing it over a Tool song like Sober. That's something that I would do live where you do that. And the thing is for me, the more interesting the juxtaposition, the better, um, the, the more impact. You know what I mean? You could take two things, two disco records or two hip hop records, or whatever, but if you take a, a rock record and a, a, you know, a Southern hip hop vocal and you put them together and you do it in a way where you get both worlds kind of cracking their head open. That's the, w- that's the goal to me. I would imagine your brain hears songs and immediately goes, there's another song that I know I can 
put in. Sadly, the yes. It's like, I, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, why it's, is it sadly? Well, because the thing is, no matter where I'm at, if I'm sitting having dinner with somebody and some song comes on, yeah. my brain yeah. naturally just gravitates towards whatever's playing because yep. it's just, it, you know, I can hold the conversation, but there's a part of me, it's like two, four, eight, counting the thing. Like, oh, it's in this, it's in this key. Oh, who's that? Or it used to be back when you couldn't Shazam, I would have to carry on the conversation, but also remember the lyrics Shazam of like, in, your own mind. in my own mind, remembering yeah. the words like, you know, she loves me with the effervescence of the thing. You're like, okay, I got to write, remember effervescence and the love. I got to, so you would figure out, it's like being a sleuth. You had to find that song that you uh, just randomly heard, which was sometimes it would take you six months to find a tune. You know what I mean? Sounds like you're obsessed. That's it. This, this is what I, yeah. Is that it's, not the key, one of the keys to success? I think so, right? right. Yeah, you got you, you yes. to love it. And yeah. you got to do it. it it's, it's just always on. Like that yeah. sort of thing is always on. So, But I, I love it. I figured out how to harness it and create a career out, around it. So, Well, you definitely carved out a unique approach to it too. So I feel like, like when you played, I remember we, we used to have a lot of musicians and celebs come to those events. And I remember vividly Lars Ulrich, like zoomed, zoned in on you and was like, what the hell is he, how is he doing both those songs right now? Um, yeah, man. That's how I felt too. But how did you even get led into that? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, so as a kid, I was a drummer. I played drums. So beats were always interesting you know, to me, whether it be whatever style of music. And following drummers, whether it was Neil Peart with Rush or whether it was Bonham with Zeppelin or, you know, whoever, I was always after drums and listening to, to drums. Um, so when hip-hop came around, that was all drum-based music. I was like, this totally speaks to me because it's just drums and dudes rapping and syncopation. So naturally, I gravitated towards it. But I came from a bit of a rock world with my brother. So Was it Arizona? Well, I, I born in New York, but we moved to Arizona. Right. And so there was this part where I was back and forth between New York and Arizona. My right. parents got a divorce eventually. My you dad, moved back? Did you not go hang out in New York to ch like try to get the vibe of? Fully. Well, that was it. I, I, that was my thing is if I wanted to spend time with my dad, which I needed to spend time with both, I would go spend time with my dad, spend the summer there, listen to all this music, absorb it all, buy all these regional hip-hop records, yeah. then bring them back to Arizona in the desert. We lived 25 miles outside of the city limits of Phoenix, which is a rural area called New River. We lived right next to uh, National Forest, so you know, dirt roads, mild dirt road to pavement where the bus would pick me up for school, like that kind of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, but I'm bringing back these super regional, only 1,000 presses, 500 presses of these records and playing them for... You know, I felt like I was a missionary, like spreading the, the hip hop gospel to all these yeah. kids who were like, what is this? It's like, oh, that's MC Shan or that's EPMD. And they were just heads being completely blown away. But at the same time, I had all these rock records, again, my brother and, and sort of Arizona, you know, around that. So you had like, I'm listening to Black Sabbath or Rush or Deep Purple or whatever. And the two worlds to me, I started to see the common thread. I think like one of the first times where I was like, oh, somebody else gets it was when I heard the Beastie Boys uh, Ryman and Steelen, where they sampled when the levee breaks at the top of their record. And I was like, oh, eventually that led me to Rick Rubin. And I was mm. like, okay, here's somebody who understands it. You know, he's responsible for Slayer. He's also responsible for the, you know, Beasties and connected with LL and Run and all this stuff. So the blueprint was like, oh, okay, all this music it can be based around drums and it can, you can source it from anywhere, whether it's James Brown or whether it's Led Zeppelin. To me, it all made sense. And that's how I approached my whole thing was let's try and, and it was interesting too, because I always lived in both worlds. I lived in, you know, in school, I would hang out with the hip hop kids 
And I'd also hang out with like the Stoner Rock kids. And I lived in both worlds. And I and I would like always try and get the Stoner Rock kids to be like, hey man, you should check out this Curtis Blow or this, you know, UTFO record. And they'd yeah. be like, hey, cool. And then same thing, I would be like sitting with these guys listening to, to hip hop and be like, you guys up on Pink Floyd at all? Do you know about that? And they'd be like, no. It's like, so I was always trying to get them to both see what I saw. Yeah. And I think eventually my music style became how do I get both of these worlds to c communicate to yeah. each other? Because I see it, so let me spread that. And I think that's sort of how it s spawned, you know what I mean? I remember once FUBU came out in America and I used to go back to Australia once a year and I discovered FUBU and brought it back to Australia to blow everybody's minds. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, where is the story going? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think you set the, you didn't set the theme. Look, for, I don't mind. I bring up some of my favorites, so hopefully somebody can learn from it. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but at least you tried. I did. Yeah, yeah. man. That's what. If matters. I had had money, because I was like, Subway's going to come here. Yeah. But I didn't have any money. Right. And then eventually Subway's there, and whoever did that made a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. But you had the foresight. That's what matters. I did. I yeah. did. I get that. I respect Fubu that. and Subway. <laughs> together at last. Yes. That's a I good juxtaposition. I've for sure had Air Force Ones on before anybody, and then they wouldn't let me in the club. Yeah. I was like, these are the coolest shoes ever. And they're like, no, you're a Club's always player. two steps behind. Yes. All fashion. Yeah. <laughs> the club's always, it's always been that way. Yeah, the craziest one is Vegas with the embroidered uh, thing on the back of your pocket on your jeans. I remember thinking maybe a decade after it was uncool, Seeing it again, and I'm like, "What? Yeah, in yeah, tarnations. Yeah, what happened to you? Why are you? When you put them on, you didn't. You gotta feel something. Something's off. Oh my God. Why do I have affliction? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, no, yeah, but they can't do it. It's weird. I no. think it still happens. It probably, yeah. I mean, that's always it. Vegas is a, and the, and the club, like the gatekeeping at the front, is always just a wild thing. We, we did, I remember in the, uh, the Huck Jam days, we were there and uh, they weren't going to let our crew into the foundation room. Yeah. Uh, like the Huck Jam, the, the skaters yeah. and the, the BMXers and the motocross, they're just like, no, look at our shoes, like, nah. And then someone's like, hey, that's all those dudes that just performed. Yeah, right yeah. Right here in yeah. the arena. And then we yeah. finally got in. Hey, if you want to hear, where'd you get that? This holiday season, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. That was my Spicoli. That was really good. Thank you. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. I got a cool mug from these guys the other day, and every time I have a coffee, everyone goes, ooh, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that mug? That's what they say. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. Good. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts that you could find just anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash HVW. That's uncommongoods.com slash HVW for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. 
I gave AG1 a try because I was tired of taking so many supplements and wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutrition bases every day. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal need like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led to the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. AG1 is delicious. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2. I know what vitamin D is, but 3K2 sounds like it's got more in it. And five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash HVW. That's drinkag1.com slash HVW. Check it out. <laughs> I, you know what's funny is a rule of thumb. So I, I had a, a residency in Vegas for like a little over a year, year and a half at the Palms. Um, so I got to really experience that. But the thing is that, that draining I, was that a is super that, draining. It was the most exhausting. Um, every night. Well, no, I was there. I did like every other weekend. I had a residency there, so I did most of the time. But other people would fill in when I wasn't there. But do it was you have just more exhausting. respect for Carrot Top after doing that year? <laughs> sure. I mean, well, yeah, for the longevity of just right. like. Anchoring there, like yeah, that's like, hardcore. It, yeah, it's got to be right. It, well, it's it's exhausting because you know I'll perform all over the world and different shows, different crowds. It's always amazing. You go to a certain region, it's like you go down south or you go east coast or you go wherever. It's like you have a group of people who live in that region and you sort of get to play around with that vibe. Vegas is just a revolving door, so it's you know there's no there's people who are from Vegas, but they they don't go to the strip. They don't yeah. go out like that. I mean, normally, so you're dealing with this sort of revolving door where you can never really get a read on like, oh, let's dig into this regional thing or whatever. It's yeah. like, no, whatever's hot, whatever, you know, sells bottles, whatever I can do cocaine to and, and whatever. It's like, that's the norm. And you're like, okay, well, I guess that. So I, it's funny, I, for me, it was always a struggle because here I am playing Coachella or Bonnaroo or whatever, and I'm doing my art. I'm real. I'm fusing these really interesting things together, showing my musicianship and showing my depth of, of knowledge. And it's like, then I get the, the gig at, in, at the Palms. And while that was also fun, it's always fun to play like hit tunes or whatever, but I realized they don't really care about my nuance of like, right. oh, check out this tool and out guessing. It's like, hey, play, you know, the whatever the hot tune yeah. is at the time. Play Britney Spears or whatever. You're like, oh, is that's the crowd really what you're the same every, every night because they're all from everywhere, everywhere else? It's kind of the same homogenous. Energy that right. just like is I insane. would feel like, but it's also it's, but let me tourist uh, energy <laughs> exactly. But you got you hear you hear though you have to understand at the time that you know me trying to push an agenda you know I think even dubstep was was creeping in so I'd try and sprinkle in some of that yeah. flavor and it was just still too new for them now because music has done what it's done, you can go there and do a fully nuanced set and people will still go now. But at the time, at that moment, okay. it was a little bit different because EDM hadn't really broke there. The guys weren't doing um, Electric Daisy Carnival there yet. It was, still, it was still like open format kind of energy, which is fun. It was still fun to do. Like, don't get me wrong, I had fun doing it. But I also would, I just remember like, you get on the flight, go to Burbank or whatever, get on the do flight. Do you stay there? I will, sometimes I would, you know. Do they give you a room? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Is it a real good room? It was always a great room, yeah, of course. But the thing, you get on a flight. <laughs> you, of course, that's your line of question. You, you, what? You get on a flight, everyone's like, Vegas, woo, yes, go, whatever. And yeah. like, 
Then the flight back, everyone's just cr- crippled, just wrecked, like Broke. quiet. It's the, you could do your taxes on the flight home. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like everyone's like you know drooling, wrecked, and it was that was what it felt like every time was just go rage, come home, and that was the exhausting part for me. It was like I, I don't really get to do my craft here, and they don't really appreciate that part of it. So I you know I did a little bit, and I was like ah, I pulled the ripcord. I'm I'm gone. It seems like if you did that for a really long time, it could alter you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, some people get addicted to that. Like the money's good and, you know, the commerce part of it is good. But what? You just, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you're a DJ and you know how to do that and you get paid good for doing that and you maybe had aspirations to do like other style or other thing, but that pays the bills, you just get caught in that loop. So yeah. there's a lot of DJs I know who are fantastic DJs, but are regulated to just playing whatever the hot tunes are at the moment yeah. and they get paid and you know they don't mind it and that's cool but I think the dreams and aspirations of, of breaking out of that and mm-hmm. really getting into music kind of why you got into music in the yeah. first place is broken when you are there because you're just getting hammered with the same things over and over it's like doing the same it's like groundhog day is that a tough day. thing for you guys not to get involved in because once you get to that level you're like that's a guaranteed check yeah like, I think, I mean, for some people, it depends on the person. I I did it for a while and started to realize, like, this is not my lane. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I can do this. I can, and I I don't mind going and doing parties like that from time to time because they're fun. Yeah. But to do that same party over and over for a year, year did and a half. Did you finish out your tenure or did you cut it short? No, no, I, we finished it out. But, you know, it was also, I mean, to be fair, it got to the point where I think what was happening is they, you know, there was a lot of um, celebrity was starting to happen where, where they were bringing in people to like sell more bottles. They brought in Paul E.D. And there was a moment where I was on a flyer. Yes. It, went, it used to be me and Paul Oakenfold. I was like, okay, he, that's his world. Like we're respected, we do yeah. everything. And then Paul E.D.'s face got sort of put in there. I was like, I'm not knocking him because that's his own lane. But yep. for me, I was like, this is becoming a bit more about the everything else that I'm not connected to musically. Yeah, bullshit. And, well, it's just not my flavor, man. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and all respect due to those guys for, well said. Very for doing it. But it's just, it, it, for me, man, it's like I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get back into the zone of music yep. first. Yep. So. How did you ever start doing shows, though? It feels like DJing is, there's no clear path to... Yeah, well, it's... Success or, or being... There isn't a clear path, really. I mean... I. All, it's very interesting, you know, I was thinking about like, I gotta, you know, what, what am I gonna rap to you guys about while I'm here and t- thinking about some of the parallels. And I think the path to my success um, is different than most other DJs and their paths, kind of like yours with skating, kind of the same thing. It's like you found your own lane and did your own thing, regardless of whatever people were saying or doing or like, oh, this tall, skinny dude, he can't, he can't, whatever. And you, and you became who you are and you, against all odds, did your thing. It's kind of the same with me where I just kind of set out to do this and was like, this is what I love to do. I love music and I would be doing this anyway. So the fact that um, I was able to slowly over time find my lane, figure out a way to make a name for myself, get paid, make a living off of it. I'm 33 years into it. But like it started out as, you know, yeah, you do all the gigs you could do, just like you probably did all the competitions you could do. You do anything you can do to get noticed, to get recognized. But then at cert- at some point, you start to realize I'm just going parallel with all the other people and my contemporaries. How do I break off? And for me, it was very much about, you know, I'm just going to say fuck it and and do what I what's in my heart. And so that was the thing where we would do these shows or these clubs, I should say, where 
everyone was playing the same hip hop or music of the day. And I was like, that's cool, but I want to see if I can sprinkle in this Pink Floyd thing. So I'd, I'd sprinkle in like a Pink Floyd, uh, uh, Young Lust, right? Same bass line as Hypnotized by Biggie, almost. Hmm. And then I would take Biggie's acapella and throw that over top of it. And now it's like I got people on the dance floor dancing to Pink Floyd, not really knowing it. Yeah. But the people who did know it would come up and be like, yo. And so I'd, I'd play for three hours. They'd come up and be like, yo, that thing you did with Pink Floyd was fucking amazing. I'd yeah. be like, that was my path out to like, if I can get enough people who fuck with this, then I don't have to come and play the same hits and be the same as every other DJ because while that was still cool, it wasn't speaking to who I was. Yeah. So I really went out on a branch and started my own thing and really pushed that boundary. And I started to find more and more people would come and stick around to hear my sound and what I would do and how I would take this music and chop it up and mix it up. And that really was like the path that, while it didn't pay off at first, it was the How only long? path I wanted to go. How well, long before it started to turn around and look like a good idea? I think like late 90s, early 2000s, you know. What was the first paying gig? Do you remember? Oh, shit. <laughs> it's funny. That, thinking about paying gigs, man, it's like, I'll tell you the first, the first gig that really, you know, there were like little house parties and things like yeah. that that were happening. Um, you know, you get 50 bucks or a case of beer or whatever it was. But I'll tell you the one gig that stands out that I always laugh at is, it was a high school gig, you know, I was, I was doing little house parties in, in high school, but I remember um, we didn't get paid for the gig and it was, I think it was some girl who like, I was with a little DJ crew, me and this other dude, and it's some girl I think I had a crush on, so I was like, yeah, I'll do your party, like whatever it was. And we were doing the party and I went out to go to the car to get something. And I told the guy who was like her brother or something, I was like, hey, I'll be right back. He's like, yeah, no sweat. I went to the car to get something, I came back and I was like, all right, man, I'm ready to go back. He's like, five bucks. I'm like, yeah, no, I just was on the DJ. He's like, <laughs> five bucks. I was like, no, but my song's about to end in the, five bucks. I was like, shit. So I had to pay the guy five bucks <laughs> to get back, to in get back into the party. I, so I had paid to oh, play. So there's good. those moments of like, you know, just the raw of like, oh, the, shit. Mark Buzzball just told us someone paid them not to play. <laughs> That's awesome. Like they went through one, a few, a few songs, and he's like, here's your money. You're you like, you're good. Yeah, we're good here. on yeah. it. <laughs> those are, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all the rite of passage, though. Like, you know what I mean? All the, all the chaos of, of coming up and, and all the pitfalls of, of not getting paid or, you know, gear break, all the, all the stuff that you would normally do. And by the way, we were carrying crates of records back then. So it was like four or five crates of records mm. to every gig. And, you know, you'd do a, a show with a whole bunch of MCs. The MCs would pop up and they'd rap. And then, you know, there'd be, you're trying to chase pussy or get some girls at the end of the night. And it's like, they'd all leave because they were like, okay, later. And it's like me, I'm like rapping shit up. Like, hey, you gonna hang out, girl? As I'm rapping chords and like packing up my shit. It's like nobody, no girls wanted to stick around and wait for the DJ <laughs> to pack up this shit. It's like, it was never, so we, you know, it was always like, this should have been an when MC. You were, when you were younger, were you, because uh, I'm you know, like a DJ, you're late. You're, you're like, your life is late. Like Everything, you, yeah, yeah. Are you like being older? Because to me, like the older I get, sleep is a much bigger deal. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I go to bed at five in the morning and I'm like, I got, I got something to do at ten a.m. I'm destroyed. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. I was younger, that didn't seem like that much of a well. Of sure, a deal. You, you bounce back, right? right? I mean, if you're twenty, twenty-two, like you're, you're. So raging. how do you do it now? Now, now it's. Uh, I don't really. If I'm gonna drink, I don't really drink at shows. You know what I mean? I don't. But even just the, even if you don't drink, you're up until like by the time you wrap up and you're in your bed going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it like? It's three, four, five in the morning, right? depending. Yeah, depending. You know, on a good night. Yeah, yeah. Depending. So what time do you get up? And, and then do we'll, you have like a room? He doesn't have that, kids. We stop. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, forget about it then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah, you still got to have, if you go to- I understand, but I'm just saying, like, we, we have that thing where it's like, you can't go to bed at 2 a.m. because you got to get up at 7 and make breakfast. Yeah. 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 Um, there's that issue. But Do you there's, have, like, a quiet but, room? But, like... but, but Z plans ahead and- <laughs> Like it's not like he's partying at a whim and he just happened to be playing a show. Like he, he. The it's schedule. more strategic now. Yeah. yeah. Now you, you know, you plan for. I don't want to speak for him, but I. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just trying to. Yeah, I mean, you know, the gap here. You navigate. You figure out. <laughs> but also, I, I became the master of like the two-hour nap on the plane or the, you know, like I can fall asleep anywhere. Like I can fall asleep right now. If you're like, hey man, we're gonna take five. All right, I'll knock out. That's I can cool. Do so I've mastered that, but it's not the most healthy, but. It's sort of like the sprint. You do the sprint over the weekend and then like Tuesday, Wednesday, you're, you know, okay. just anchor, just yep. zen, get it back together, you know. How hard did you go when you weren't old? I went pretty hard. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of times where- It's the know, wrong show, but I got, yeah. I'd have some questions. <laughs> there were times, I mean, there were times, I, I will say this. I mean, there were times, specifically in Vegas, I remember one time where, you know, you'd go pretty hard and- and towards the end of the night, um, sort of hit a certain uh, time where the, you had about an hour left in the club and everyone is already kind of, it, the club has done what it's needed to do and now we're just sort of hanging out. Yeah. And that's where other DJs would come by or whatever from other clubs and we'd all just sort of hang out and start drinking. And I remember, um, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember actually because I blacked out during the set, but I woke up the next morning and I looked at my history because in Serato, when you're doing it digitally, you can see what you played. Mm. And there was, <laughs> there was a time where I played um, uh, Ying Yang Twins' um, Get Low. To the windows, to the walls. I think I played it like 13 times in a row. <laughs> in a row? In a row. In a row. Wow. Who know, or some crazy shit like that. I was like, yo, I clearly don't remember any of that. And I still have a job the next morning. Yeah. So Because there's also a point where it's like everyone, you know, who's working there, those you know, bar guys, everyone was drinking and partying. Right. It's fucking Vegas. So everyone's wild out. <laughs> but I just remember going like, I can't. Do that. That's not good for the career. Yeah. That has to stop. So, like, that was sort of my one moment of like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta reel it back. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that you can do blackout research like that, where it's like, yeah, it was, it was not like, it's, was it's, I playing? It's not the best. It's like you kind of like open it up and going like, oh shit, and you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Put that back down. <laughs> <you're> like, <laughs> How did you were in uh, DJ Hero? Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I helped. I helped consult on the game, and then I was also uh, a an avatar, you, you play me in the game, so on DJ Hero. And then I helped on DJ Hero 2 as well. How did they contact you for that? They, um, I, I think Nobody they- know what that is, yeah. DJ Hero? Yeah, they reached out. It's a fair enough question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Did you ever play We it? had, I was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was terrible. I played guitar Hero too. a couple Ke times, but I can it. play guitar, so I'm like, I don't wanna, Yeah. this is like teaching yourself how to not play guitar. Yeah, it was, it was for me it was really hard and I was not good at it. And I remember they, when we were doing the promo of it, they're like, "We're gonna record you doing." It. I'm like, "Wait, I think we did it once." I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'll I'll go and speak about it." But I'm like playing it. I was like, I "What can't. about now? Can you play it now?" No, I still am not. Still it's because it's just a it's a. Why different, would you want to when you're you? When you do the thing, really? Like, yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. crappy guitar player, and I don't want to play Guitar Hero. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I, I don't know. But some it's it's like watching the the. Some of the people who mastered it, like the Dance Dance Revolution people, where it's like, they go, blah, blah, blah. it's like, I'm fully blown away that you figured out how to master that. Hats off to you, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I feel like my, I don't remember which way it went, but one of my kids you did a hack where they used that controller on Guitar Hero 
or the other way oh, around. Really? Nice. And that was their new challenge. I love that. that I love that. That was pretty sick. Hybrid, but, yeah. Um, but I mean, you were right there in the pocket of of the of the peripheral craze. Yeah. So that was a good one. Yeah, it was good. That was a, that was a, a great thing. And it was. Did um, you feel like your songs represented your style? Yeah, yeah. Because in the game? yeah, that was because basically they had us do. Um, like three or four songs where it was like, here, you you chop it up and we'll emulate that. And I remember I um, I was trying to make it super hard, so I tried to do like one long scratch that was just like going forever and ever and ever um, and super extra long. And I remember at some point the programmers were like, hey, we got to talk to you about your track. So that thing, we can't really have it go that long because it's like you can't. So it's like I tried to implement Someone's this level. Carpal tunnel. Yeah, I tried to implement this level of difficulty. They're like, we can't really program around that to do it like that. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was that was a that was a fun time of just, you know, I, I always love messing around with things outside of uh, of just performing. Like that to me has always been whether it's video games, whether it's um, doing music for film, whether it's remixing stuff. Like I've always loved to do things that are outside the box. I did a, a, a silent movie. I scored a silent movie live. Um, Harold Lloyd film, Speedy. And then I did another one. Uh, I forget the name off the top of my head. But um, I was contacted by Tribeca Film Festival and they were like, hey, we have this crazy idea for you to do all the music for a silent film. And so I was like, okay, let me figure out how to sort of tackle this. So I basically watched the film and put together a DJ set that included all the What's moments. What's it called? Uh, well, there was a uh, Safety Last was one and Speedy was the other. I did I did it twice. Um, and yeah, Harold Lloyd, The uh, if you're familiar with silent films, like I'm sure you both are, uh, there's the one. Like Big Buster Keaton. Yeah, yeah. There's Charlie the one, Chapman. Yeah, so people know Chapman. some of them. <laughs> Chapman, even better. <laughs> <laughs> Chapman. Oh my god! There's there's a one iconic scene of a guy hanging off a clock tower that you probably seen when you're going into like you know United Artists Theater or something like old and yeah. it, that was the one of the films like he was a super iconic at the time so a movie from the 20s and I'm putting current music to it and doing it live and that was super fun because it's just a challenge you know what yeah. I mean like playing a club and 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 whatnot is fun but you know I have more fun now doing pushing the boundaries and, and really taking my knowledge of music, all this music I've learned and and uh, found over the years, digging for records, you know, um, and figuring out different ways to fuse it into different projects. Like, all the way to the rugby field. To the rugby field, yeah. I'm doing stuff, um, sonic imaging for uh, San Diego Legion, which is pretty our- pretty sick. Which is what our, are you doing? our local- Like he's in charge of the sound for, yeah. the, for the rugby games. How, does, how do you- who called you for that? Well, they how's that work? Yeah, they reached out to me to do um, their home opener to perform at the end of the home opener. Oh, uh, okay. So I went down there and I did the uh, a set and we just got to talking and I was like, hey man, you know, I think I could help with some of the, you know, I, I'd like to give you some suggestions on songs to play because the game was incredible, but the sonics of the game weren't like eh. like there was a guy who was on the mic. We have a chant called Big Red Wall. That's like a defense thing, and there was one guy on the mic going like Big Red Wall, and it's like this doesn't sound big or enough. So I took uh, some mics and I got the whole rugby team in their gym and recorded them all saying Big Red Wall, yeah, and then put that as a thing so when you play it, it's them in the arena, loud, feels big, that and they, they're hearing themselves. Job, no, no, well, I, <laughs> I don't know. He's, you know, but he, either way. It, That's you know. a good vibe. It's, it's a good dope, idea. But that, that kind of stuff is just fun for me. It's because I kind of see 
So does that mean you could do that for filled. other teams? Like that could be a job. Yeah, for like anybody. they could all hire. Yeah, you I mean it's sure. it was organic for sure, but yeah. but it could be yeah. like you could be the guy that is the consultant on sure. all that stuff. You do not have to choose between better hair growth and your health. There's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness. Get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol's whole body approach to hair growth. No drugs, no compromises. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root cause of thinning including stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, aging, and lifestyle through whole body health. Physician formulated using natural medical grade ingredients, Nutrafol's drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code HAWKWOLF to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HAWKWOLF. There is so much to be thankful for. Family, friends, food, and NFL football all week long. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. New customers can bet just five bucks on NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. With a Thanksgiving NFL triple header, why not create a parlay? Pick between the Packers and all Lions commanders or cowboys and 49ers or seahawks and add some excitement to your thanksgiving so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code hvw new customers can bet five dollars on nfl thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets <laughs> only on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code HVW. The crown is yours. You know what HVW stands for? Hulk versus Wolf. That's right. Yeah. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms of sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Yeah. I know you told me the story, but how you came to perform with LL all the time. Yeah, so LL Cool J, we, um, it's been 13 years that we've been working together. Um, and we had actually taken a meeting uh, about doing a show where he was supposed to be the host and I'd be the DJ. And that show never happened, but during the process of that um uh, of us taking meetings, my manager at the time um, proposed for him to do a guest spot at, uh, I was doing South by Southwest. I was headlining a show there and he would be the surprise guest. And I was like, ah, oh, he's not gonna, 
he's not going to say yes to this, but he and his team said yes. And so there we were. I was like, oh, I got LL coming out to do a guest spot unannounced. I was like, and we had planned to do Mama Said Knock You Out, and that was it. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, we might need to do more songs in case the crowd's like, we want more. And it's like, you know, so I, I was like, we should probably do uh, I Need Love and we should probably do Rock the Bells. And uh, I told the story before, but I'll try and make it quick. Basically, as a DJ, I know that he never released Rock the Bells as a 12-inch with an instrumental on it because it just came out as the two track with the vocals on it. So it's the normal version you'd hear on the album. Um, and I started looking at, at video footage of him over the years performing Rock the Bells, and I never saw a video of him rapping to the instrumental. So I was like, I don't know if he even has a copy of this. So I was like, well, what is Rock the Bells as an instrumental? But wait, how does he How does he do it if he's... A, he's He'd be rapping over his his over his over actual his track, voice yeah, which, track, which a okay. lot of rappers do when they don't have access to the instrumentals. It's like this is the track I got to rap over it. So, um, and me being a purist, I was like, how can I avoid this? It's like if I can avoid it, or we can find a way a workaround. I'd rather do that. So, um, I was like, what is Rock the Bells? And it's it's this trouble funk sample. It's an eight oh eight. I have an eight oh eight. The the blah is a guitar stab from an ACDC record. I'm like, I have that record. And so, so I sat down. I was like, I could just make this. So I basically remade Rock the Bells as an instrumental. <laughs> went to rehearsal. Didn't tell him because I didn't want to assume that we would do the track. But we did. Mama said, knock you out four or five times, and we had some extra time in the in the rehearsal spot. And I was like, let's do Rock the Bells. He's like, all right, let's go. And I launched into it, and he went to rap and didn't hear his vocals there for the first time probably since he made it. Yeah. And it blew him back, and he was like, wait, what else, you know, what did you do? I'm like, I made this. He's like, what else you got in that computer? And we just, he, I think he saw my work ethic and how I don't fuck around because I'm very serious about it. He's very serious about it. So we did the show. It was incredible. And then we were like, we got to do more of this. And so that led to like us doing a little spot in Vegas, a little thing over here, and, and 15 minutes turned into 20, turned into a half hour, turned into an hour, Sick. turned into us working together still and doing all these incredible things and milestones. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I did a, I put together a thing for him for the Kennedy Center Honors. Um, we've done stuff on the Grammys. I mean, there's a million things that we've done. Rock the Bells Radio on Sirius XM. There's all this great stuff that we've uh, accomplished over the years. But he's a great dude, man. It's been fun to mess with him. Yeah, I interviewed him once, and he was in New York, and I was in oh, L.A., no. and I said something about, because he just broke the deal. He had some contract where he wanted to get out of this record deal, and he finally got out of it. It was like nine, he had to give him like nine albums or something, and I was like, you're kind of like the prince of hip-hop. And he's like, nah, dog, I don't wear assless chaps. And I was like, I... Wasn't saying you wear assless chaps. I was just saying, and then, and then it was something that he he dug in a little bit, and I think he was kind of joking, but maybe not. But he was going at me pretty hard, and he kept telling me that, to get his balls. And I was like, I've got to get your balls. <laughs> he just mixed some emotions on yeah, your yeah, face. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't like confrontation. But when you're on radio, sometimes when you do that, people think it's cool. It was one of the bigger moves in my career like the next day i was like slightly more accomplished because uh ll cool j hated me and, and roasted me on the radio <laughs> for the record all of my interactions with ll have been awesome yeah same so i don't know that you're an anomaly there <laughs> yeah, my i'm friend. starting to figure it out i think i might be an <laughs> asshole we need to get him on and squash the beef sure sure I, yeah that sounds like it's probably time for that <laughs> <Terrified>. <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> yeah um 
I love how, like you said, your work ethic, how far you dig for stuff because you did a mix of, um, of uh, Dead Kennedy's uh, police truck and... For the perched? Yeah. Oh, uh, Jerry was a race car Jerry's driver. Jerry was a race car driver. What? So, he he did his own mix of those two songs for my for my video part called Purse. Yeah, because they're from both from the video game, and I remember we were in touch and he's sending me stuff that he's like he's like oh well but I, I can't find the stems for Dead Kennedys I think like I can't I can't find the original all the original uh, instruments for it. Okay, you know so he can really mix it up. And, you're making remaking the whole song. Yeah 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 basically so that that's that helps if you have. Access to the acapella, the drums, the bass, and your soloed, which, um, and it's funny now, there's technology that separates things for you. It's kind of wild how the technology's gotten. Yeah, but. this is almost 10 years ago. Yeah. But but then he just texted me one day, he's like, got the stems. Found it. Like, yeah. found the stems to a, an obscure Dead Kennedys track. Yeah. Who even kept that? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, That's then, the, and then he- Well, the level, the level of digging, I think, is sort of what also is, part and parcel of, of how I came up. It's like, you had to do the work, you had to find the records, you had to like, you had to spend the time digging and finding and unearthing these things to have a thing that allowed you to sound different than the next person, mm -hmm. right? So that's a big part of who I am and what I do. So in going all over the world, all these different places and finding things and having access and meeting different people, sometimes it's a, you know, a recording engineer or somebody who, you know, whatever it is, but like, there's this like tape trading sort of circuit and people swapping records and music very down here. It's like that, I was tapped into that, still am um, to a degree. And so it's, it's kind of like, it takes you sometimes to find something and sometimes you gotta trade something for it. But I was able to get access to that and then, yeah, remixed it. And so that's, it's funny because again, talking about like pushing boundaries, taking a remix of like a hip hop song or whatever and like mixing it and doing a remix is one thing. Cause that's, kind of assumed in the hip hop world, but taking a Dead Kennedy song and making it sound interesting or putting a different spin on it to me is way harder because yeah. it, there's a certain level of some of these things don't really lend themselves to mm -hmm. that, A, and B, as a fan of this music, I gotta be respectful enough to still pay homage to yep. it and give it a, some yep. flavor without you know, that making it look it. bad, right? Yeah, and some people are always going to be like, you know, as long if they hear yeah, anything out of context, that song. there's people who anytime they hear anything out of context, they're like, "Fuck, it's not cool. It's whack." It's like, "Cool, <laughs> that's fine. It's not for you." And you can always go back to the original, like whatever. Yeah. But if you're listening or you or you care to hear something in a different context, that's where I come in and try and recontextualize things or give them another breath of fresh air. I mean, that's that's sort of the you know, re-earthing, unearthing old things for people to sort of reconnect when, with is always kind of fun for me. When you do all this research and find all these new songs that no one else has done because they haven't done, they haven't looked as hard as you have, do some people just rip you off and try to come in halfway? I mean, there's always that, you know, right. there's always a level of that. But the thing, you know, I used to get really wound up about, um, about people sort of biting my style or copying what I do. Yeah. But then I also realized like, I'm kind of a one of one I have my own approach to shit, and I know my flavor is different than these other people, and and I have my own sound, so I'm not really worried about it. I used to be worried about that, but I don't, I don't even care at this point because I've I've I built a legacy on my own thing, and I also love the fact that you know, while some I'm relatively well known in certain circles, 
And I'm also completely unknown in other circles. I fucking love that. I think it's yeah. great. To be able to walk into a room and nobody knows who I am is awesome. Sometimes we'll be able to walk into a room and everyone knows who I am, also awesome. But yeah. I like the fact that because I do what I do, there's still people that are still discovering me right now. I mean, there's probably people who are watching me right now who have no clue who I am or what the fuck I do. And you I know, think that happens every episode. I'm on you. <laughs> <laughs> he made, when we were on SiriusXM, he came on the show and we were doing it at my office, but you were already on your own. But he did this, I, best explanation is, is skate mix where he found- On the show. On the show, he did it live. He found every song that had any reference to skateboarding in it. Yeah. Deep, like deep cuts from the 70s. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, there was just like, what are you talking? He said, like, there's a song called Skateboard Honeymoon. From the is 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's mixing all in with uh, you know, with, with modern stuff. And yeah. It was it was the thing of like, if I'm gonna come on, I'm gonna do the show. And he was like, hey, you wanna mix a little bit? I'm like, okay, I could I could mix, but I'm like, if I can make a set that's based around skateboarding and like custom for this, I'm like, yeah, let me go in. It was in. like Lupe Fiasco and Jefferson Starship. Yeah. It was really, I got really intense with it because there's some really. Oh, and, and sounds from 720. Oh yeah, all the 720 oh, video games. Okay, sounds. how long did it take you to do something like that? It took me a couple weeks to find it all. And then yeah. it's like, you got to figure out how to sort of blend it all yeah. together to make it make sense. Because you could have all, that's the other thing. It goes back to what you're saying. Like you could have all the same ingredients in front of you, but I'm going to make a way better yep. dish than that chef. Because yep. I, my perspective is different. I know the right amount, of whatever. So is that? It's like spending, finding it all, then spending time in the dojo, like banging it out. That works. That doesn't work. Try this. Less of that. More of this. And then get to a point where it's like, okay, I got something that's really dope that no one else can. So, and then flashing somebody with it, like, yo, check this out, and having him and the whole crew be like, what? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at every turn, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, man. Yeah. Where'd you get? So, you it took you. Let's say it took you two weeks to to find the stuff, then. To cut it, how yeah. long does that take? Well, that's the 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 putting it together is the easy part. The hunting and finding and gathering and and like trying all these different things. It's like sampling, sampling, sampling to find your ingredients. Once you have your ingredients, you're like, okay, now now I'm in my workspace and I can, okay. yeah, this goes, this stays. I'm more of this, less of that, whatever. And sometimes I'll find a song, this too, where it's like I'll sit on it for ten years. I'll never use it. I was like, I, there's no reason for me to use this. And then one day, it's like, oh. Tony's like, hey, man, you want to come and do a thing? I'm like, oh, I get to use that one record, Whoa. man. So it's like that. Yeah. It's like having ingredients. But that's how I approach music and collecting. And and uh, it's it's and it translates now, I think, even, again, more so than just doing DJ sets, but into I'm doing music supervision for movies. I'm doing these different things where I'm taking all this knowledge that I have from my perspective and putting in stuff that nobody else can match what I'm doing because yeah. I'm my own thing. And I, I, I have these songs that no, I know no one's got. No one's gonna, yeah. I found that record in Japan in the back of a warehouse. But also you, you were there, you know, true, you're true. Of, of that age, true. forgive me. But also yeah. like you were in New York no, and yeah, you're, exactly. you're, you know. The, exactly. So, and I still dig for music. I'm still very but into how does that work music. now when everything's, most everything's digitized? Well, it's, it's tough because, you know, the, the upside is that you can find stuff quicker. There's way more uh, ways to find things. Um, and you can manipulate things digitally now, whereas before you'd go through all these records and pull out something and be like, oh, this is great or this is bad, but you had a needle drop and everything. Although the rate at which people are releasing shit is so incredible that 
the mountains of music that you have to go through to find something good has become, it was already big. Like imagine walking into a record shop and like there's 30 crates of records and you're like, oh, I got to dig through. I got to find, and so you find like four things. Imagine there are 3,000 of those stores, but now they're all online and you have the ability to go through all of them. It's like, it, you're just paralyzed with the amount of stuff, <laughs> you know? But I, there's certain keywords and things that I'm looking for. There's certain um, artists and, and labels. Like, I still am very tapped into the sound that I'm looking for. Yeah. So I can, you know, I'm record pools. People send me stuff, trades with other people. You must have a crazy memory. Yeah. you got to, like, you I, know, like, you can recollect, look, that'd be good, that one album collection. that I have. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you... Well, it's a lot of cross-referencing and a lot of, like, um, so... <laughs> the nerdy part of this is like when I was when I was DJing with just vinyl, I laid out my collection in two separate areas. There was LPs, which had, you know, any LP, whatever, Led Zeppelin, you pull it out, here's the, all the songs on the Zeppelin song, or whatever, anything, Beastie Boys, whatever, Rock Him. But then if they released a single, the singles were usually the hot things that you would play out because it had the the vocal, the instrumental, acapella, the remix, whatever. So that would be the song you'd really play. You wouldn't play the album version. So I, lay, I laid all my singles out by tempo, so by beats per minute. So it went slowest to fast. Yeah. How, so do, you, who, how do you do every that? Every time you get a song, you'd have to take Number a stopwatch. <laughs> so you had to time it at however many Dude. beats would happen in a half of a minute and then double that, and that would be your beats per minute. And so you'd write that on the record and be like, that's 100 beats per minute. That, so now I know, like, songs off the top of my head, I can recall, Passing Me By, Far Side, 88 beats per minute. Oh, I know you got Soul, Rock In, oh, it's 105 I, beats oh per minute. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bring rain, the Noise, 110 beats per minute. That's the Rain Man shit right Yeah, yeah, there. It really, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. But again, I'm wired, I think I'm wired a little bit different because that's how I'd approach it, is, like, I understand it's all drums, it's all tempo. It's all tempo to me. At least it started that way. Now it's texture, now it's key, now it's vibe. You know, I'm doing this um, music supervision for a documentary on Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's 50 years of Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm doing the music supervision for that. So it's it's not about tempo and mixing, like, groove. It's nuance and flavor and, and the right song for the right moment. There's a hardcore part. I got to put something right there. It's like, and knowing and having collected all this music over the years and knowing how to put stuff where is really... It's like doing a mixtape, you know, but it's a different mixtape. It's a mixtape that has X amount of parameters versus before. So that's why I love that shit. To me, it's a challenge. Anything that, that going and playing a gig, I can do and I love doing, but going and playing a gig that is, is specific to a sound or a style and or a project that requires me really digging into my bag yeah. and coming and trying to like figure out how do I connect these dots and make it dope? That's what I'm into now because it's like at this point, it's really kind of, I only want to do shit like that. And I only really take on those kind of jobs and that work. And I'm, in, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where the calls come in and I can say yes or no to things, which is really great. Yeah. And it keeps me sort of just even keel. You know, I'm stoked on that. Yeah. I'm very happy about that. I've been to his house a couple of times. It's, there are a lot of records. Yeah. 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 On display. It makes sense. In Great. unlikely places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. And I, I, I try to have a turntable in every room if not every other room because i have so many and i have so many records it's kind of like you know so you have i here you'll get a kick out of this i've not, i've not told this to anybody but this is it seems like the right place for it but i have um <laughs> it's funny cuz also the universe provides too i'm a big believer in that it's like if i'm looking for something usually the universe will provide something to me if i'm just patient with it like but like Kylie Minogue yeah like Kylie Minogue yeah. um 
That's a great story still, by the way. I'm still blown away over that. Um, but so I have a, uh, in, the, in the downstairs, I, we have a, a bathroom. And there's, for whatever reason, behind the toilet, there's like this area that was just this spot. It's about as big as this coffee table. And I was like, oh, this is, I should probably put a turntable in here, right? It's like, put a speaker. So say, you, you know, you need to go to the bathroom. There's people yeah. around and you're like, I, I, I'm going to be loud. Put on a record, right? So it's like, cool, it disguises the yeah, sound. Yeah, right? man. Right? I didn't... But here's the best part about it. I was like, I need to find some records to put in here. Like, what do you play? <laughs> yeah. What's the song you play? Poopy Beats. No, no, no. Well, yes, but no. This was the, this is, I'm going through my collection. I'm like, ah, I'm just, and I'm literally in another room looking for records. I'm like, I'll just find a couple that speak to me. And I was like, ah, that's too hardcore. That's too soft. That's too, and I pulled out a Tears for Fears record. And I was like, this is it. This is the only one. In fact, this is the only record. And the record is Songs from the Big Chair. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's sitting right there. You go in, songs from the big chair. What is the first song? Shout, let it all out. These yeah. are the things I can do without. Wow. I was like, that's the perfect we fucking song. Actually, we used to actually that's a perfect sing. Song. My friend, I used to sing that song as shit. Shit, let it all out. So well, now you've got a place to finally to record that. <laughs> Nothing worse than you got to do like yeah, a man. bit of a fart poopy and you got a date in the house and you got to go to the bathroom and, and they can like, hear it and put it. a movie on that's loud. I mean, I feel and like turn it's, the even, tap it's on. just as suspicious that you're blasting Tears of Fears out of the bathroom, but yeah. who am I to say? I don't know. I feel but like it's not weird at your house. Yeah, no, there's music in every room. So yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But now I know if someone's playing Shout, I know it's going out. Uh, <laughs> I know it's happening. We, uh, we did a thing. He he performed at Stand Up for Skate Parks on the deck, yeah. and then his his uh, table was right there, even with coping. Yeah. So we were doing like bonus ones and yeah. on, his, on his deck, and then we turned that into a thing at the Wonderfront Festival in San Diego, where he was part of the demo, providing the music, yeah. but also being an obstacle on the ramp. The photos are it was incredible. pretty sick. Yeah, like where was he on the ramp for the? That demo. In the corner. In the, in the corner, table is right even with the coping. So if we go to that corner, you... You can do tricks on his table. You have to, because yeah. it's in your way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the best. It's, it's at the end of Perched was when we sort of... That was almost like our litmus test. Yeah. Because yeah, so, at the end of Perched, we did a thing where we recreated that, where he comes up and does some stuff on the on that was desk. That was the catalyst, where yeah. he, he set his thing up, and I'll just do like a... I did a, I did a cab pivot. On his table, yeah. and then it was like, well, that'd be kind of sick. But the 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 reason I'm bringing it up is because <laughs> in that moment, you started figuring out what is the BPM of vert. Yeah, yeah. What is how the, long what? is it? How long does it take per minute? What? Oh, well, how many wow. beats does it take for him to go from here to here? Yeah, and then back, and then what music to play that matches yeah. that? So that's just the way my brain works. It was next level. So when we did Wonderfront, it was a kind of a bummer because they set us up on a stage that was way out away from everything no one could find us but it was like the best thing that no one saw <laughs> and he was doing that we had suicidal tendencies playing x, yeah, x yeah. it was incredible vandals like it was amazing yeah yeah and just to a very small crowd but but the whole thing is that he even went that distance to I love figure that out shit. what is the but rhythm I, of yeah, vert that what I can is mix the in. answer to that well i think I, if i remember correctly it was around 85 beats per minute was sort of like the pocket but yeah. it would it would fluctuate depending on who's skating you did a trick 
you know, if Elliot Sloan's doing something, he's a little bit faster. If, if Andy McDonald's doing it, so, so I started to understand each person's <laughs> oh pace. Oh my God, it's, it's super nerd he shit. He read everybody's yeah. sex. That's yeah. so, yeah. so yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, it's, but, but the thing, well, the thing is also you got to understand, like, I hold that in high honor as well because when we first did the first demo uh, where I was DJing, I remember I was like off to the side. I couldn't really see people skate. I'm like, I'm just sort of playing background music. Yeah. I'm not... The two worlds aren't speaking, yeah. and and I remember saying like, if I get up on the deck, man, I could see you guys. Then I could play the right tunes. Yep. And so, when that happened, we started to figure out how to. Uh, I started to tap in more, and I felt like the sets got better, and they would skate better, and just sort of the yeah. energy. But then we started figuring out all the the nuances of like, oh, you know what? When they come up and do something, the table would sort of nudge back because they'd push off of it, and it's like, oh, we got to drill two by fours down to yeah. to keep the table placed. Yeah. And then I'm also doing it digitally, so. I'm not worried about, you know, needles skipping or anything because okay. it's all digital. The only thing is the laptop. It's like, that's the only concern. But there were a couple of times with, you know, skateboards go flying, whatever, it's part of the thing. But the, we did it over a few times where we figured out how to nail it. And now I'm like, to know that I'm up there, I'm with these guys, I'm taking it very seriously. I'm not just up there like jerking around, like, hey, firing off shit. It's like, no, I'm, I'm paying attention because I'm fusing myself into that because it matters to me that I can provide them with the best possible shit. situation to ride. And also curveballs, too. It's like every so often I'll throw on these certain songs where it's like I also want to fuck with them a little yeah. bit, too. Yeah. Like, you, you see know. us all go like, what was that? Yeah, so it's it's because it's fun to me. Cause I don't know any other DJ that's ever done that, so it's like I'm breaking new ground. So I gotta set the set the tone. Hell like, yeah, you! Are. I've never heard of that. Yeah, you, do, you can do it again. I'd love. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, we have it sounds to like somewhere. such a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we, we had we had this window of opportunity, and it was awesome. Who I'm, it's, I still get people that came like, dude, I went to that thing. That was the most unreal. It's so great like, concert. No one's around. Like we saw these bands. That was amazing. Yeah, that was a very special thing. It's. I love pushing boundaries, and, yeah. and, I, and I, I love the fact that he was like, yeah, let's do it. It's like, yeah, cool. Like, how much can we break this out of the box? You yeah. know what I mean? And so my next thing I'd love to do is, is mess around with, um, if there's the ability to, I got to figure out how to dissect it, but, you know, guys who are doing street skating, but more like, um, like Day One and, and Rodney Mullen kind of energy, where it's like those guys are doing such intricate shit that if you could make the right tune to have them sort of, land those things because it's all breathing and tempo and, and there's a there's a, a level of rhythm to that. I kind of want to dip into that world a Would little bit. Would you make bit. a song for a skateboard video part? It's funny. I've, I've made stuff before that they've used, but yeah. I never, no one's ever approached me to do it where I would do it from my perspective, right. which is like, okay. Like I give you my footage, you make you make the, the, the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And then once once I make it, then I give it back to you and then we nail this to be on point. To me, that's the thing that's always missing is the syncopation of things, the things being in in um, in harmony with one another, yeah. I struggle with. Like you listen, again, it goes back to like other DJs who were taking kind of the mashup idea and being like, oh, it's working for him, I'm gonna do it. And the thing would be out of key or the phrasing would be off. It's the same thing with watching somebody try and do something. It's like um, running, you know, it's like I know people who run and they just put on whatever or they and it's like, man, I need to run in the right tempo. I got yeah. everything's gotta be in in harmonious for me. Yeah. And then when it is, it's like cool. Then everything's gelling. And now you've you're operating on three, four, five levels, you know. Because he knows his his beats for minutes when he runs. Yep. No. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you tell me that you Rick rolled an audience? Oh yeah. Crowd oh, yeah. Time? <laughs> well, there's always that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? No, I like that story. I know. Well, it's you know, silly, but whatever. You know, the big drops. You know, you know, da, 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 and everyone does the big drop. You know, yeah. you know the EDM show or whatever. Yeah. Do the big drop, and instead of the big, you know, one hitting and everyone losing their mind. Da, 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 Never gonna give you a. It's like Rick Roll, you know what I mean? And, just, and have people like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> That's my but, favorite. You know, you can then call, it gives you pleasure yeah. and maybe no one else. Yeah, yeah. And you can, but you, I appreciate you that. You can only do it kind of once. And yeah. it's yeah. like, you know, then yeah. you're like, all right. Not at the residency. Yeah, yeah. No, well, <laughs> no, at the residency. That's where you got it the yeah. first time. That's, oh, yeah, because it's a new crowd every day. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Every time. <laughs> here, yeah, all the bartenders are like, here comes the Rick so, Roll. Oh, here we here. go. Here's, here's this big joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun, man. Well, Z, yeah. we appreciate you coming here, sharing the story. Um, always a big fan. And thanks, man. We do we we do hang out on you know outside of work. Yeah, it's fun. But it's funny because we we see each Hob, other. Nobbing. We live nearby each other, and we see each other more on the road. Yeah, and more. Can you do it? What? Use the tape. Use the turntables. No, you've never tried. Never tried. I'd watch you do that. We should we should try and reverse it, like where where I. But I'm I mean. That would be a very niche audience. <laughs> yeah. Just for us. Just it might be us. just me. Yeah, it might be yeah. just us. Yeah. No, that's um, to have you spin while I, I skate. But yeah. my, my skating skills are, you know, I skate Chop a little swap. bit. swap. Let's go. Yeah, but I'm, you know. That's a terrible idea. But I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'd have, it'd take us a lot of practicing. Yeah. I'd have to really get my no, chops up. No, no practice. Just I, just, I just put on the extended version of Burning Inside. It's like seven minutes long. And yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds cool. like things Perfect. are coming in and out and... We'll find we'll find it. We'll find the rhythm. You All gotta right. throw a scratchy. <laughs> All right. Z trip. Yeah, man. Go Thank check you guys out for having stuff. me. Oh, uh, your skate mix. You have it, right? Oh yeah. So that that's it's floating around. I mean, this is like ten years ago, and I know it's it's. But we gotta we gotta like play it somewhere here on the way out. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah, I'll give it to you. So that's I, gonna be that's our outro. Is, okay. the, is your skate mix? Yeah, that's what's got, coming. I brought a whole bunch of stuff. So they're too. gonna like fade our voices right now. And like and describe. Into that. Like and describe. Yeah. You're gonna love it. Tell you what, come back when you got some money.